recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, now at episode 105, and it feels good to be alive, guys. I am your host, as always, Ray Russell, and we're here this week, going to close out the month of November in 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation, going to talk the final week of Superstars Wrestling Challenge in primetime, but at the end of the show, we're also going to talk the traditional November edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Can't wait to get there. The macho man, Randy Savage, taking on the hitman, Bret Hart, and of course, Hulk Hogan defending the WWF title against King Kong Bundy. But it feels good to be back here again, guys, fighting some walking pneumonia right now, but that's not going to keep me down. I'm going to put a show out anyway. And we are at episode 105. 105. There's a street on the east side called the 105 in Cleveland. A job I once had forced me to drive up and down that road in the middle of the night, delivering things legally, guys. But that's just not a road you want to be on in the middle of the night. Certainly not in today's world anyway. But nevertheless, shout out to anyone out there listening that lives over there by the 105. As we get rolling this week, just want to remind everybody you guys can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and our sister shows like the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. Of course, Monday Warfare, the battles within all about Raw versus Nitro, that weekly episodic Monday Night War of yesteryear. And coming very soon, the Wrestling Stoop, with wrestling legend Bob Roop right around the corner as well, and more coming to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, all located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, or you can listen anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And don't forget to follow me on social media, guys, for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, guys. Follow me there at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R A S S L I N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Rasslin Grenade. And make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Over 500 videos now up there at YouTube, including the two most recent grenade shows. And that URL is YouTube.com slash Rasslin Grenade. And last but not least, this would also make a perfect time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, yes, but I always talk to you guys about that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, talking pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast, and who knows? What's me and Bob Roop get rolling? Maybe we'll throw some of those show notes up there as well. You'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversation that was originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back in. 
But that's still not all. You guys also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, bonus video drops, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And here's the fun part, guys. As the WrestleCopia brand evolves, so does Patreon. They're coming up with all sorts of new gadgets as of late to benefit not only me, the creator, but you guys as well, the patrons. And what I'm talking about is if you're a Patreon member, you guys can actually listen to all of the shows, including the early releases, over on Spotify as part of the WrestleCopia Patreon Spotify account. Also, Patreon finally caught up with the times. Just in recent days, they have allowed us to create our own collections area. And what that means is we create subfolders, and you guys get to click on those subfolders, one with the watch-alongs, one with the digital downloads. Everything's easy access now, guys. You can find exactly what you're looking for by simply clicking on one of the collections. So make sure you utilize that area. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. Guys, I'm netting under 4 bucks. This is a steal. And there's no subscription. You guys can cancel anytime you want. But please, show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content that I offer. And every penny of it goes right back here into the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So if you have a few bucks to spare, you're looking to support a new up-and-coming podcast brand, please consider making it WrestleCopia. And if you can... Help me pay some of those bills to keep WrestleCopia up and running for the months and the years to come. I know I myself, as well as Jamie Ward, Roman Gomez, Bob Roop, even my brother Jesse, I know we would appreciate your guys' support. Now, all of that said and out of the way, it's time to jump back into the show here this week. It's the final weekend of November in 1987, heading into the homestretch here in the 1987 WWF Project. Survivor Series now behind us. Oh, by the way, a special shout out. Thank you again to my brother, Jesse, for participating in the Survivor Series show. Had a blast. Lots of laughs. Had a great time talking about everything from Jesse Ventura's overuse of makeup to Don Morocco's hoses. Dude, what a great time. If you guys haven't had the opportunity to listen yet, go back. Three hours of laughs as part of the Survivor Series edition of 1987 here in the WWF episode 104. But for now, it's on to episode 105 here this week. And that means it's time to kick off the November 28th edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. All right, guys, and away we go. WWF Superstars, November 28th, taped back November 17th, Des Moines, Iowa, at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium, Vince McMahon, Bruno Sammartino, and wait, what? Where's the body? No Jesse Ventura here this week? As we prepare for the opening, the feature matchup, scheduled to see Brutus the Barber Beefcake take on his former partner, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Beefcake getting his introduction first, but then we head off to Jesse Ventura? Backstage? with Greg the Hammer Valentine, who has a surprise for us all, it would appear. This is Jesse the Body Ventura, and I finally get to do my own opening, and a better one it'll surely be. Greg the Hammer Valentine, 
Many athletes face mid-career crisis. You've got to make a change midstream. You've got a big change happening right now, Hammer. Let the people out there know what the body already knows. Well, Jesse, you know the success that I've had in the World Wrestling Federation, holding two titles in the times that I've been in the World Wrestling Federation. But I'm more excited about what I've got to tell the fans right now than any of those two previous titles that I've held. Surprise them! Valentine and her, the Valentine and her, the new alliance, up to the ring, gentlemen, they're waiting for you there, all right. As uh, Ventura says there, many athletes face mid-career crisis. Sometimes you just got to make a change midstream. And it would appear the dream team is no more, as the hammer introduces us to Jimmy Hart, his brand new manager. Jimmy also is former manager prior to the dream team formation in 1985. So Valentine, he's a former IC champion, former tag team champion, but he's looking to reclaim his glory here, ditching Johnny V and tag team competition altogether, it would seem, for a while anyway. As we head off now, it is Brutus Beefcake taking on former partner Greg Valentine, now Jimmy Hart in his corner, and it's back to the ring as Valentine entering with his once again manager, the mouth of the South by his side, which may explain some things when we get to Saturday night's main event, but I'm not sure. And to little shock, the hammer attacking the barber before he can even get his smock off. Looking for the advantage early on here is Greg Valentine, but Beefer quickly makes the comeback, fighting back, taking it to the hammer. Greg, though, with multiple slow tree fall bumps in between, great bumps there by Valentine, always loved those. Brudai, however, finally missing an elbow drop, and Valentine leveling him with the hammer, a standing elbow to the side of Beefcake's head. Valentine, however, climbing to the top rope. Doesn't seem like a place Valentine likes to go too often. And Brudai going to slam him off. And it's the barber right back on top here. As the hammer, though, he's going to take back over after Beefcake telegraphs a backdrop. Valentine looking immediately for that figure four leg lock early in the contest. But Beefcake managing to fight him off multiple times as Jimmy Hart goes after Beefcake's scissors to distract the barber and allow Valentine to remain in control of the match. Jimmy Hart already paying off here for the hammer, it would seem. As things break down, both men begin trading hard shots. Referee Dave Hebner getting in between the two, but he's shoved away. As the barber and hammer continue to trade blows, Dave Hebner once again gets in between them, and this time both wrestlers simultaneously toss the referee down to the mat. And as Dave Hebner now down and out for the moment, Beefcake able to lock in his finisher, the sleeper hole. The referee down, the babyface locking in his finisher? What are the odds? As Jimmy Hart sneaks in with the barber's head clippers and tries to sneak attack Beefcake, but he's caught by the barber and Hart flung back out of the ring. But the distraction enough to allow Valentine to jump Brudai from behind and apply his patented figure four leg lock and right in the middle of the ring. And Valentine, he has that hold locked in tight as the barber tries to fight his way out. And it's locked in for a good period of time here. It feels like a couple of minutes as Beefcake writhing in pain on the mat. But finally, Brudai sees his hedge clippers still laying in the ring as he tries to inch his way ever so close to those oversized scissors for a little extra help. Jimmy Hart also beginning to make the crawl back in the ring as well. Hart sees Beefer going for those clippers, so Jimmy lunges himself leaps at the potential weapon. But the barber gets to them first. Yes, Brutus Beefcake now with the hedge clippers in hand, grabs hold of those clippers. Valentine immediately 
and wisely releasing the hold to get away as referee Dave Hebner finally back up. And wow, that took forever, Dave. They just threw you to the mat. But Hebner sees what's going on, but he called for the bell because both guys had already thrown him to the mat earlier on. The end result, a double disqualification. Match goes six minutes and 10 seconds. But the damage already done. Beefcake unable to get up after that longtime figure four leg lock applied on his legs down there. It's kind of funny watching Beefcake sitting here on his keister, threatening Valentine with the scissors from that seated position on the mat. Kind of reminded me of Vince McMahon when he came out for the rumble there with Batista and Cena, blew out those quads and he had to sit there. Beefcake doing his best to try to threaten Valentine from a seated position, but he does have those hedge clippers, remember guys, as the Hammer and Jimmy Hart begin to look for a plan of attack. But multiple officials rush the ring to separate the situation. And the heels exit the ring without any further issue. As Beefcake unable to stand on his own, he has to be helped to the back by the referees. So the barber, super over here with the fans by this point. And the fans just chanting Beefcake very loudly during times in the match, including while in the figure four, wanting to break the hold. And he even gets a loud roar, another ovation as he's helped up and makes his way backstage. So Beefcake definitely over at this point here in the WWF. Now, story goes that Valentine's contract was coming up and he had been negotiating with Jim Crockett, or at least a liaison like a Ric Flair, if you will, to jump over to the NWA right around this time frame. But And there was even rumors, believe it or not, guys, that Ric Flair was pushing for his old buddy, the Hammer, to join him in the Horseman. Boy, would that have been something at this stage in Greg Valentine's career. And clearly, Vince McMahon still felt that Valentine offered some type of credibility to his product as he throws Greg this bone, a return to singles competition, and a brand new manager to freshen him up. And right out of the gate, Valentine thrown right in there with his former partner for a big angle here on TV, something that was almost eight months overdue, if you ask me. So I'm good with the angle itself. It gives both guys something to do, short term anyway. After their tag run, I felt they deserved something, but it was just so far removed from the split that it really lacks the heat that it could have gotten all those months ago. Of course, Beefcake hasn't done a whole lot of anything. He's been getting over, don't get me wrong, but Valentine been stuck there with the Dream Team gimmick since WrestleMania three teaming with Dino Bravo. Really didn't help anybody's career. But we'll take a wait-and-see approach here, as I did like the angle itself. Greg Valentine taking the legs out of the barber. We'll have to see that plays into their upcoming rematches on the house shows. As we head off now, Craig DeGeorge standing by for a special interview up on the platform with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to my guests. First, the bodyguard, Virgil, and of course, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yes, Mr. DiBiase, the man who's been trying to prove to us that everyone has a front. Well, I would guess by now that all of you would have started to believe Believe what I've been trying to tell you ever since I came to the World Wrestling Federation. Believe that indeed each and every one of you does have a price for the million dollar man. I've proved it to you week after week after week. You've seen clumsy little kids trying to dribble basketball for some of my money. You've seen stupid uncoordinated little kids trying to do just 10 push-ups for some of my money. You've seen women get down on their hands and knees and bark like a dog for some of my money. 
You've even seen people come in the ring, get down on their hands and knees, and kiss my stinking sweaty feet for some of my money. Why, I've even bought the producer of this television show. He didn't come cheap, but he had his price. Now what does that tell you? I'll tell you what it tells the million dollar man, that everybody, yes, everybody has a price for the million dollar man. Now, do you know who everybody is? Everybody's everybody. Everybody is every man, woman, and child in this arena. Every one of you has a price for the million dollar man. Everybody is you. All you people at home enjoying watching the million dollar man on television. Every one of you has a price for me. And do you know who else everybody is? What do you mean who else? Everybody's, everybody's everybody. Wrong. Everybody's not everybody. Everybody is. Now read my lips. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan? What are you trying to say, Hulk Hogan? What am I trying to say? I'll tell you what I'm trying to say. Everybody, nobody excluded, everybody has a price for the Million Dollar Man. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to prove it to you in the biggest way I know how. I'm going to buy the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. That's right, baby. It's gonna be mine. Lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> there it was, Ted DiBiase and Virgil out there with Craig DeGeorge. Teddy running down the many fans that he has offered his money to, further proving that everybody has a price. And when DiBiase says everyone, he means everyone, including WWF champion Hulk Hogan. And Ted plans to prove that when he buys the WWF title. And the promo getting into it was pretty bland until we got to the point at the end there, the evil proclamation that may have some substance to it. As thus far, DiBiase has indeed proven time and time again that everybody has a price for the million dollar man, but Hulk Hogan? And I loved how this segment was produced. DiBiase makes that final statement no real comments from the announcers here. Instead, we have a moment of panic for the fans at home listening, and then the program just slowly fades to black and off to commercial, while your mind begins to spin. Very well produced, very well done here by the WWF. Ted DiBiase now making the proclamation that he will be the next WWF champion, not by winning it, but by purchasing the belt from Hulk Hogan. What will happen there? Just wait and see, guys. As we learn... Coming December 19th, the WWF presents the 37th annual Slammy Awards. Can't wait till we get there as well. As the show goes on, six-man tag team action featuring the Birdman Coco Beware teaming with the Young Stallions of Jim Powers and Paul Roma taking on the trio of Terry Gibbs, Dusty Wolf, and Barry Horowitz. And the Stallions, of course, coming off the Survivor Series win as the pile driver overrides Crank It Up for the intro, however. And I prefer the faster paced song, so crank it up for me. But the album is called Pile Driver after all, so I get it here. Way to go, Coco. And get a look at that heel trio, guys. Terry Gibbs, Barry Horowitz, Dusty Wolf, all capable opponents. 
But let's face it, guys, a throwaway match here, the six-man tag. And with this throwaway match, now the announcers find time to discuss Ted DiBiase's claim of making that purchase of the WWF Championship. Jesse Ventura even goes on record. He says, now he believes Bruno could have been bought, but Hulk Hogan? Even Jesse has to wonder if the current WWF champ has a price. And as the six-man action gets going, great opening sequence with Jimmy Powers and Barry Horowitz leading to Horowitz taking a big backdrop. Terry Gibson next. He has issues with both Roma and Coco Beware. Roma, though, runs into a knee from Horowitz on the apron, and Terry Gibbs going to capitalize with a nice-looking hangman's neckbreaker on Paul Roma. And Barry then in with a gut-rich suplex, but only gets a, a one-count on Paul. Roma clearly wanting to look strong here. as Coco Beware finally tagging back in, nailing a missile dropkick halfway across the ring. On Dusty Wolf, great distance there by the Birdman. And then the Ghostbuster going to end this one two minutes and 25 seconds. Big win there for the baby faces on TV. As up next, it's the King, Harley Race, Bobby Heenan by his side, taking on Scott Casey. As we get a quick clip of Harley regaining his royal garb from Hacksaw Jim Duggan after attacking him and beating Duggan with his own two by four. Tough guy. So yes, indeed, Harley Race does indeed have his crown and cape back as we get an insert promo here from Bobby Heenan, who says he is not responsible for what the King does to Hacksaw in the not-so-distant future. Bobby also says he will not be responsible for what Hercules will do to Bam Bam Bigelow tonight, referencing Saturday night's main event. So another match announced for the big NBC show tonight as the veteran Scott Casey going to land a dropkick early on, but he misses a second try and Harley Race quickly taking control, and it's almost right into the cradle suplex. No bridge, and the King going to get the win in just one minute and eight seconds. And I was kind of surprised to see Scott Casey go down like that so quickly, but Race's matches, they've been clocking in at like 60 seconds for about six months now. So, But the end story in this one, Harley Race not done with that peasant Jim Duggan as the action continues to roll on. Jake the Snake Roberts out next, taking on Rick Renslow. And Jake perhaps even more over than Beefcake earlier here on the show, as this crowd is loud here in Des Moines. And it doesn't hurt to be the first episode of the taping either, but these guys definitely superstars here in the WWF as Jake has his way with Renslow early on. Jesse Ventura on commentary going to question how good Jake really is, insinuating it's Damien who psychs the opponents out, giving Jake the advantage. And this one, a pretty basic squash here. Jake doesn't even bother to use his signature moves, but he does connect with the DDT. Going to score the win in 2 minutes and 12 seconds. And yes, indeed, a little Damien time afterwards for Mr. Renslow. As the Snake Man getting back into the groove after his recent suspension and looking to put on a little body mass as well. As up next, it's Update with Craig DeGeorge talking all about the 37th Annual Slammy Awards coming again. December 19th, in Caesars Palace in Atlantic City. And speaking of the Slammies, we're off next to the Doctor of Style Slick standing by with his men Butch Reed and the one-man gang Slick going to introduce his brand new music video. It's Jive Soul Bro, and he's dedicating it to Superstar Graham. How kind. Then back to the action once again, The Rock, Don Morocco, taking on Brian Costello, as Morocco is in no mood for Costello, trying to take advantage early on. Right away, Morocco delivering a giant power slam and a big clothesline as well. From there, it's the swinging neckbreaker by The Rock, and then he climbs to the top rope 
grabbing Costello by the hair and riding him knee first down into Costello's face to the mat from the top rope. And then it's all over with the Tombstone Piledriver going to give The Rock the win in just 56 seconds. And Morocco still chasing Butch Reed and the gang looking for revenge for superstar Billy Graham. So another win here for Don Morocco and his hoses, if you will. As we head backstage to Craig DeGeorge, I guess he's in the trainer's room, you may call it, with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. We see Beefer sitting on a table with uh, Dr. Blackjack Lanza holding an ice pack to his knee. Poor Barber down from that figure four earlier, all thanks to Greg Valentine. But Brutai, however, vowing revenge on the hammer. So you can expect more from those two in the weeks to come. As it's back to the ring, one more match here on Superstars, the Hart Foundation. Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the former tag team champions, led to the ring by their manager, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. They're going to take on the team of Leaping Lanny Poffo and Jerry Allen. And it would seem Lanny Poffo's poem this week putting over Strike Force as the new tag champs, which doesn't seem to sit well with the former champs here in the Hearts. As the Anvil going to make Lanny pay briefly early on, but Poffo runs over to tag in Jerry Allen. Jesse Ventura on commentary pointing out the cowardice of Lanny, reciting such a poem and then running away from the action. I tend to agree, Jesse. As the Hart Foundation going to take their frustrations out on poor Jerry Allen here before it's the heart attack, scoring the win for the Hart Foundation, just one minute and 50 seconds. And closing out the show, we're told that superstar Billy Graham will be back here next week to make a major announcement. Can't wait for that. And then it's closing comments for one of the matchups coming up here later tonight as part of Saturday night's main event. One of the matchups going to feature the macho man, Randy Savage, taking on the hitman. Bret Hart, right now we're going to hear from the macho man. What's happening this weekend? Let's take you now to the macho man, Randy Savage, to let us in on what's happening. Mm, yeah, Matt versus the Hitman this Saturday night. And I'm zeroing in on you, man. Yeah, you're just like the honky-tonk man that uh, pushed Elizabeth down to the ground real, real, real hard. Yeah, and then a part of the guitar over the head. But guess what? This Saturday, the Hitman. Yeah, you meet the madness right in the middle of the ring, right in the middle of a spectacle of zillions and zillions of people watching. And Macho sounding primed and ready for his big contest against the hitman Bret Hart later tonight on Saturday Night's Main Event. Can't wait to get to that one. Talk about a dream match all the way back in 1987. But I got to be honest with you guys. I wasn't expecting all of this coming out of a pay-per-view just two days ago. Remember, Survivor Series was the 26th of November. This is the 28th. A big angle at the top of the show between Beefcake and Valentine. And then DiBiase drops the bomb. His plan to purchase, to buy the WWF title from the champion Hulk Hogan, thus beginning one of the biggest stories in WWF history. And that was just one program. We're off to the following day wrestling challenge, November the 29th. Wrestling Challenge, November the 29th. Tape back November 18th in Omaha, Nebraska. 
Civic Auditorium. Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary here as we head off to the ring to see the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid taking on the brand new team of the Conquistadors. And the Conquistadors making their TV debut, hailing from Latin America. In case you guys are wondering, that is Jose Estrada and Jose Luis Rivera now under the masks as Los Conquistadors. And sadly, the Bulldogs, as they make their intro, the camera solely focused on Matilda, making her way to the ring. And here's a seed to be planted. Bobby Heenan beginning to badmouth the mascot of the Bulldogs, talking about Matilda, stating that he found out Matilda is an attack dog, and she is rabid. As the action gets going, great back and forth as we start out, leading to Davy Boy Smith gorilla pressing Conquistador Estrada on to Conquistador Rivera, and I guess we'll call them one and two, or would it be uno and dos? Either way, excellent stuff here. Dynamite Kid and Rivera next in, leading to a Dynamite Snap Suplex, and the Bulldog's going to dominate the matchup for some time, but the Masked Heels do finally take over on Dynamite Kid, as Kid even taking a double backdrop. And I wrote, ew, that was not wise, Kid, taking a double backdrop after that severe back injury, which I'm sure he's still not 100% from. But Dynamite finally able to make the tag out, the hot tag out to partner Davey Boy Smith, who comes in with a delayed suplex. And then, yes, the running power slam on Rivera. Going to get one, two, but the Conquistador kicks out. The referee pulls his hand, but the bell rings anyway. As Davey Boy Smith and referee Joey Morella look confused for a minute, but the ring announcer begins to declare the British Bulldogs the winner. So everyone just goes along with it. Match went five minutes and five seconds. Bulldogs will pick up the win. Bobby Heenan going nuts that the Conquistador got his shoulder up. And it was up. Wasn't even close to a three count. Rivera clearly kicks out right after the two count. Obviously to set up the real finish as Joey Morella never even strikes the mat for the third time. But the bell sounds anyway. And it still makes TV here. But not only that. We see it in instant replay, too. And it was a great squash match by all four men, unfortunately with a completely trash finish, thanks to the itchy trigger timekeeper out there. Thanks a lot, whoever you were. From there, we head into Special Report with Craig DeGeorge, talking more about the Slammy Awards coming in December, and then back to the ring for more action. It's the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, Virgil by his side, taking on Sonny Rogers. Remember, DiBiase was down for a few weeks with that knee injury, so he missed the last set of TV tapings. But he's back here this round, guys, as we get an insert promo here from the Million Dollar Man, who says, once again, everybody has a price, even the man at the top rung of the ladder, referring to Hulk Hogan. So once again, DiBiase planting another seed about purchasing that WWF title belt. As early on, Sonny Rogers surprises DiBiase with a reverse rolling cradle, going to net himself a two-count, but that puts the Million Dollar Man on alert as DiBiase from there just going to pummel Sonny after being upstage, finishing him off with a falling back elbow drop from the middle rope. Now DiBiase would become more famous for missing that elbow drop, taking that slow headstand backflip bump. But here DiBiase connects with it, scoring the win, 1 minute and 19 seconds. As we're off now to our first Mean Gene promo today on the Grenade, Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the outlaw, Ron Bass. You know, there's so much happening right now in the World Wrestling Federation. A lot of big, big men are part of this fantastic organization. How about 300 pounds plus from Houston, Texas? 
This guy does not play around. I've seen him meet and beat opponent <laughs> after opponent. Please. What? Gets on my nerves, Ron. Well, go ahead. Come on. Come on. Talk about it, man. I think I talked about it already. You're over 300 pounds, and I say you have been very impressive in all of your outings here in the World Wrestling Federation. You know what I mean, Gene? A lot of people have come up to me and they say, Hey, Outlaw, how come you call it Miss Betsy? How did you come up with the name of Miss Betsy for your whip? Well, it's plain and simple, Mean Gene. You know, most of these people sitting out there, if they look across the living room, there's an old broad there. She's sitting there and she's got that old hair all, you know, it's all slick back, all stuff running out of her, her mouth there. You know, she's just as mean and nasty as a rattlesnake. Snake. Well, that's exactly what happened, people. I named it after a woman, Miss Betsy, because they ain't nothing meaner, they ain't nothing nastier, and they ain't nothing that won't, you know, you just can't predict it. Wait a minute, if there is a woman that exists that looks like you described with straggly long hair. <laughs> You're married to one, probably. Huh? You're probably married to one. But you know, it's just like this. When you get down the street, mean Gene, you come walking, and people see the big outlaw coming down, and they got Miss Betsy with them. They jump all the way across to the other side of the street because we're bad company, people and they don't want to meet up with us. And that's what's happened here in the WWE. I've thrown out challenges to Hogan, to Jake the Snake, to Don Morocco, the, you know, anybody, Ricky Steamboat. But you know something? When they see the big old outlaw and they know he's got Miss Betsy, you know, they kind of get a little yellow. They turn rabbit. They turn and they run, boy, and they go, and they go, and they go. I don't see him nowhere else. Well, let me tell you something, people. Things come to those who wait. And I've been waiting right here in the back straights right here. And when I get my opportunity, and Miss Betsy, she stays oiled up, and she stays loose, and she is ready anytime that I want to call upon her. So people, let's just see if those little yellow so-called goody goodies ever gonna come out of the woodwork. Let's just see what they're made of. Myself and Miss Betsy, we're waiting on you. I don't know if any of those men have backed down from any contracts. I don't want to doubt the word of outlaw Ron Bass. I'm going to be very anxious to see what develops here in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. We're right back. So Bass gets some promo time here, along with Miss Betsy. Went on to leave her out. And look out, WWF babyfaces. Perhaps the outlaw may finally venture back to syndicated TV in the near future. From there, it's recap time as we go back to see the Hacksaw Duggan Harley Race feud. We see the initial confrontation at ringside leading to Hacksaw stealing the King's Cape and Crown. And of course, from there, we see the following altercation, Race attacking Duggan, blasting him with his own 2x4, getting his guard back. So the feud does indeed continue, as we will see that at the Slammies. And it only makes sense after that segment that we head to the ring for Hacksaw Jim Duggan in action here this week, taking on Barry Horowitz. I'd pat myself on the back right now, but you guys couldn't see it, so why bother? But Barry gives us a little pat on the back in the ring here as Hacksaw once again out to his original theme music. And this will mark our third week of hearing this theme here on TV. And in a very peculiar blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment, on commentary, Bobby Heenan going to reference Saturday night's main event again here on these weekend syndicated TVs, talking about his man Hercules, who we know now will take on Bam Bam Bigelow. But here on Wrestling Challenge, Bobby says that Herc will be taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Saturday night's main event. I suppose, to further the Harley-Duggan feud. So now we know for sure that match was changed. It had already been reported in the past that Duggan was indeed the original opponent for Hercules. But it's odd hearing Bobby Heenan referencing it here in post-production on a taping that was recorded a week after the Saturday Night's main event tapings. Very interesting. 
by that point, they already knew it was Bam Bam instead of Duggan, but just one of those little things you can catch. As we get an insert promo during the matchup from Jim Duggan, who also has words for the king. It's a basic hacksaw squash here. All the usual moves leading to the three-point stance and a great flying clothesline, if you will. Duggan going to score the win two minutes and five seconds. As it was announced here that Hacksaw Duggan heading into Saturday night's main event to take on Hercules. Though that match doesn't actually happen. But what does happen next is another promo here on the grenade. It's lined up with Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the newly single, if you will, Dino Bravo. All right, my guest at this time is the former Canadian heavyweight champ. He certainly has been a force to reckon with for quite some time in professional wrestling. From Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Dino Bravo, come on in. A lot has been happening to you as of late, and perhaps we can talk about some of those things this week. You know, a lot has been happening, but the most important thing, a lot more is going to be happening in the near future, because I feel that 1988 is going to be my year all the way in the World Wrestling Federation, and I intend to compete with nothing but the best. I want the likes like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Jake the Snake Roberts, The Rock Don Morocco that turned his back on all his friends. I can't not stand people like him. You know, I feel at my best when I enter that square circle. I get my kicks wrestling because I can take him down and I can take him down hard on that mat, brother. And if I choose to win, I'm going to win each and every match in 1988 because down that ladder, up that ladder, I'm going to meet Hulk Hogan. And like you least expected, my friend, I'm going to take that buckle away from you. That's right. That World Wrestling Federation World Championship heavyweight is going to belong to me before 1988 is over and that's a promise mean gene you know when you first arrived back here in the world wrestling federation some months ago by the way you have not had a shabby 1987 it has been a very very good year for you dino bravo you made a promise to me privately you said it was just a matter of time and you would be the heavyweight champion of the world did you not i did and i live with that purpose in my mind and i live with it in my heart and the intensity is going to be there and like hogan you meet the best month after month in and out but I guarantee you like you least expected you never expected me to wrestle you but I will and I will in the near future and when I do I'm not going to miss the opportunity and like I said I'm ready and I'm willing to take the challenges one by one you're going to have to you don't have any choice you're going to have to meet the names you you had mentioned here earlier on (laughs) yes they'll have to meet me and they have no choice but to go down brother 1988 is my year and no human force is going to stop me you know, everybody wants something here in the World Wrestling Federation, including this premier superstar, Canadian Dino Bravo. So we saw Greg Valentine move on from the Dream Team on Superstars, and now we learn Dino Bravo's aspirations of taking everyone down until he gets his hands on that WWF title. Dream big, Dino. Dream big. It's up next, back to the ring, singles action with Killer Khan still here. Mr. Fuji in his corner taking on Mike Richards. And this is likely the killer's final appearance, or at least damn near close to it, as this is most definitely his final set of TV tapings before he abruptly quit the WWF and subsequently retired from the ring. And the killer, he doesn't disappoint here. All the usual from the Mongolian, it's the green mist, the backbreaker, and the diving knee going to finish off Mr. Richards. Killer Khan leaves with another win with the match going just a little over two minutes. 
is up next. Special interview. Craig did George back up on the platform this time on Challenge. Going to talk to the Doctor of Style Slick and his man, the natural Butch Reed. As Slick puts over his men, taking out Superstar Graham. We're even shown a clip once again of his men doing such a feat. Is the heels going to celebrate here as Slick wants to party down to his new hit, Jive Soul Bro? Brother! While Butch Reed goes on to gloat about taking out Graham, DeGeorge reminds him, now he has to deal with The Rock, Don Morocco, and Butch Reed becoming upset with Craig's mention of The Rock, noting he will take Don out the same way he took out Graham, if Morocco is stupid enough to step in the ring with The Natural. And cue the Jive Soul Bro music as the heels dance their way off the stage. And much like we heard on the Superstars of Wrestling, Gorilla Monsoon here on Challenge, once again informing us that the superstar Billy Graham has a major announcement coming next week. And we saw the Jive Soul Bro video over on Superstars, and this week on Challenge, it's the Honky Tonk Man introducing his song, The Honky Tonk Man. And then it's back to the ring for the ultimate warrior. Warrior in there against Brian Costello this week. But wait, what's that I hear? The Ultimate Warrior now has his very own theme music. And there it is, the package becoming more complete. The Ultimate Warrior now with his very familiar theme music as we close out the month of November. And Warrior Man coming right at Costello and poor Brian getting destroyed with chops and a flying tackle. Warrior then busting out a delayed suplex as Bobby Heenan quips, he knows a hold. From there, the Warrior with a big clothesline followed by a gorilla press drop. Literally a drop. Going to score the win here, Warrior over Costello. Two minutes and four seconds as we have one more matchup here this week on Challenge. Tag team action with Ken Patera and Billy Jack Haynes. The Oregonians back in action together, taking on the team of Dave Wagner and Rick Renslow. A fun little team in their own right. As we get an insert promo here from Axe and Smash of Demolition, they say that Haynes and Patera, they're big and strong. But the demos, they like that in their opponents. Unfortunately, Patera and Haynes standing in the way of Demolition, they're just going to have to put them out. As on commentary, Heenan referring to them as the Portland Punks, Patera starts with his arm brace still attached, noticeably landing very light clotheslines with the bad arm here. Why not just use a left, Patera, or maybe just don't do a clothesline. Gotta protect that arm a little better. Meanwhile, Billy Jack Haynes in with a nice-looking dropkick before the babyfaces decide to try their hand at a little double-team move. Patera coming off the top rope with an elbow or, or something like that, while Haynes holding the opponent in a side suplex position. Not a very good spot, though at least they're trying here. Patera, though, going to deliver a high knee into the corner before Haynes tagged back in, locking in the full Nelson on Wagner, getting the submission win in just one minute and 46 seconds. Now, Patera and Haynes as a team, no chemistry, not really gelling very well, but they're two big names, and they make sense to throw them in the path of demolition on their ascension here to tag team gold 
1988. As we close out Wrestling Challenge, got a couple more sound bites for you guys. First, we're going to go off to Mean Gene Oakland, who is standing by with The Rock. Don Morocco, he has a message for Bruce Reed. My guest at this time has virtually done it all in the World Wrestling Federation. He is from Sunset Beach, Hawaii. Big man indeed that surfs. He's a very gifted, natural athlete. Don Morocco, come on in. Apparently, you have irritated some folks in the World Wrestling Federation recently. I've irritated a lot of people over the course of my career, Mean Gene. Now I hear it said, I should have minded my own business. I heard it. Should have stayed in the locker room. I didn't get the day where I am a professional wrestler by minding my own business, Bruce Reed. That's right, Bruce Reed. Because I'm naming you Bruce the way your mom and daddy did. And the way everybody calls you Bruce. And we hear slicks to say that the rock is changed because he loves to hear the roar of the crowd. Well, whether they roar for me or they roar against me, I have heard the roar of the crowd so many times slicked up, and my skin always jumps. You know Bruce Reed. Bruce Reed? Bruce Reed. Haven't you ever seen any, any, any programs from Central Missouri State or Kansas City Chiefs where he was a natural athlete or he was a phenom or he was really something special? Like when he first came in the WWE, when he was chasing, when he was chasing... Like he, like, he, like he even said himself, poor old Billy Graham around. Now, why would anybody, why would anybody with his talent, with his ability, with his prestige, a natural man like he calls himself, why is he going after a man with plastic hips? Why don't he come after a rock, you see? You don't want plastic natural. You want a rock. You want to be a natural. You want to get to the top of WWE. You want to be the man everybody worries about. Every man you're telling everybody you are. On your boots, lace your tights up real tight and pull them extra snug. Grease up your body real good and get nice and warm. And then put your coat on and walk down the aisle and bring your monkey face manager. Because the job you think, I might have a little surprise for you. There's a man, there's a wheelchair. It may take crutches, it may take a cane, but then I may have somebody in my corner. All right, I thank you. Here's a man that has not, not lost his appetite for victory, the magnificent Morocco. And there it was, a super vascular Don Morocco and his hoses talking Bruce Reed, not Butch Reed, but Bruce Reed, the real name of Butch, referencing his days in college football and the pros. Morocco also referring to Slick there as his monkey-faced manager. Wow, that did not age well, Don. As we close out this week's wrestling challenge, a promo. We heard from the Macho Man on Superstars. Now it's the Hitman's turn. We're going to head off to the Hart Foundation talking about the big matchup taking place this weekend on Saturday night's main event. This Saturday night on TV, what the Honky Tonk Man started, the Hitman's going to finish, Macho Man. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Elizabeth. <laughs> and this is what's going to happen to you this Saturday night on television, yeah. Macho Man. week but as you could see by our clothes next week will prove to be a blockbuster so don't miss it the gorilla for the brain saying so long and the hitman bret hart he says he's going to finish with the honky tonk man started at the last saturday night's main event this time the hitman scheduled to take on the macho man one-on-one and the anvil gonna keep his eyes on miss elizabeth oh my 
And as we wrap up Wrestling Challenge, one more piece of business before we head to Saturday night's main event. We're off to a special Monday night edition of Primetime Wrestling. Remember, Primetime got moved to Thursday nights not all that long ago, but this week, perhaps because of the holidays, not really sure what was going on here in November. But for this week, anyway, Primetime back to Monday nights and this November 30th edition of Primetime Wrestling. go special edition this week recorded from caesar's palace las vegas nevada hosted by bobby heenan gorilla monsoon sitting poolside at caesar's palace god i wish i was there right now as we head off to the introduction gonna hear from gorilla and the brain hello everyone and welcome to prime time wrestling i'm gorilla monsoon along with bobby the brain heenan and as you can see we're here. Wait, 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 wait. Let me tell them where we're at. Oh, all right. Yeah. We're sitting by my in my palatial estate in Beverly Hills. We are poolside. Not. What? Why are you telling them that? That's not true. We're here in beautiful Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace. Well, it's the same thing, just so the people know what my home oh, is like. It's the great, exact same you? look. Mine's a little bigger, though, but... You think so, It's the huh? exact same look. Boy, it's great to be out here in Las Vegas and at the spot that everyone wants to be at, Caesars Palace here in Las Vegas. We've got a great show lined up for you here this week, including our feature match with your guy. That's right. The King. Harley Race. Well, he's going to have his hands full with the Junkyard Dog. I doubt that very, very much. We've got some interesting matches coming from everywhere in these United States and Canada as well. Our opening match here on Primetime this week, of course, features another one of your guys, Herc. That's right, Hercules. Probably one of the strongest men in professional sports. Well, he's in there with another powerhouse, Ivan Putski, the Polish power, returning here to the World Wrestling Federation. Well, first of all, Putski, you know, he's a very powerful man, but he's very thick between the ears. There's nothing happening there. Oh, Herc, Herc doesn't resemble that remark at all. No, Herc's very intelligent. He just drags that 15-foot chain around so that he knows exactly where he is That's at all times. It's a message times. to everybody, just a and message. I understand you're going to get him a bell to wear as well. well. He's not a dumb animal. I'll have to know where he is all the time. Boy, we're happy to be here in Las Vegas and here at Caesars Palace right now. Let's go to our opening matchup. I'm going to hit the tables. Go ahead. Have a good time. Let's go to ringside. And there they were sitting poolside, coming from Bobby's palatial estate in Hollywood, California. No, we're not, Brain. But Bobby says, well, it's the exact same look. Will you stop? Well, we won't stop here. Another soundbite lined up right now. Bobby Heenan continuing on, talking about Sin City rolling out the red carpet for the Brain. Well, folks, in just a moment, we're going to take you from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, here at Caesars Palace to Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. For, what are you laughing for? Coming from this beautiful place to Toronto. Well, go oh, ahead. The home of World Wrestling Federation President you know Jack. The, you know what the people did for me in this town? What did they do for you? When they, I was coming down here in the limousine from the airport, I saw a big sign on one of the buildings. It said, Blue Eyes is coming. That's uh, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Well, that, never heard of him. What, he's a never heard of him. Was he a magician or something? You, you keep it up. You'll hear from him. I thought they were talking about me. <laughs> As usual, Bobby DeBrain Heenan, uh, one of the greatest walking advertisements for birth control I've ever seen. We'll be back in a moment. 
So there it is, Vegas rolling out the red carpet for old blue eyes, Bobby Heenan. I think Frank Sinatra may have something to say about that. Bobby, who's Frank Sinatra? Is he a magician? And then Gorilla referring to Heenan as the walking advertisement for birth control. There it is, folks. And we're still not done. Got another soundbite. One more soundbite here for primetime this week. Is the duo going to talk all about the Slammy Awards, including Rick Rude being part of the Best Body nominees? Here we go once more to Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bruno's Beefcake proving he can do it all. Isn't it nice he, he gets a mirror out and at least shows the victim? Oh, he's just trying it, to rub it in. Someday somebody's going to put him in a whole room for, full of mirrors, and you're going to see how badly his face is going to be smashed up. You know, if you ever mess with any members of my family. With some of the guys in your family, he doesn't need any of that extracurricular stuff. He just needs the mirror. Take a look at the kisser, and that's enough to shock anybody. How about ravishing Rick Rude? How about oh, the body please. on him? Well, he'll get a chance, Ravishing Rick Rude, to prove just how good his body is because coming up December 19th from Caesars in Atlantic City, the Slammys presentations. And one of the categories, Brain, is the best body, I understand. You mean there's other people in the category with him? They're wasting their time, I Mr. Too. Wonderful will be there. Oh, come on. You know, the go-around between he and uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, we haven't come to an end of that yet. And you won't until Wonderful makes his mind up to quit the sport of professional wrestling. Maybe you could work around here parking cars out front. Maybe not. Put that date down in your book, December 19th, Slammy's Awards presentation, Caesars in Atlantic City. We'll be right back after this. So Gorilla Monsoon says Paul Orndorff not done with Rick Rude yet. Bobby Heenan, maybe a little foreshadowing here, stating that we won't see the end of Orndorff until he decides to retire which is just eh, less than a month and a half away. But for right now, Rude and Orndorff still going at it on the house shows all throughout the month of December. And much like last week's edition of Primetime that aired on Thanksgiving Thursday night during the Survivor Series broadcast, once again, these guys already moved away from the pay-per-view and, of course, coming right out of Saturday night's main event. So no mention of that either. We'll have to wait another week. Instead, it's shill, shill, shill for the Slammies. Can't look in the rear view, pal. Full speed ahead for the WWF as the grenade is full speed ahead, guys. We've concluded all of the normal TV that we would normally cover here on the grenade this week. So that only leaves us with one piece of business left, guys. Yes, indeed. It has finally arrived. It is the November 28th, 1987 edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Oh, yeah, you have now entered the danger zone. East of Saturn, west of Jupiter, south of Mars, and north of hell, yeah. On the last Saturday night's main event, you all saw the Heart Foundation and the Honky Tonk Man viciously conspire to maim and injure my manager, Elizabeth, for their deeds and their audacity to believe that they could destroy the indestructible macho madness. I make this vow. Vengeance is mine, saith the Macho Man Randy Savage. Vengeance is mine. Hitman Bret Hart, you will burn the night. Rise and shine, all you humanoids. That's right, get up. And call your neighbors and call your friends if you have any. And wake up that big fat wife of yours. Because history's going to be written tonight. I've got a big surprise. A big surprise. You see, Bundamania lives. And Hulkamania is dead. Long live Bundamania. Bundy, Bundy, Bundy. Bundamania! That's a lot of cheap talk, man! Bobby the Weasel, he and King Kong Bundy! No, it takes more than that to beat Hulkamania, the strongest force in the universe! Oh yeah, King Kong Bundy, you're a big and a strong and a brave man, brother! But to beat me, you gotta beat the prayers, the vitamins and the training, all the Hulkamaniacs! 
and also big dude, you gotta face a 24-gun salute. Here we are, guys. Saturday night's main event, November 28th, originally taped November 11th from Seattle, Washington at the Seattle Center Coliseum in front of 16,000 fans. Got to believe that was a sellout. And they were pretty light on the intro promos this time around. Only three people talked because we get that pretty cool Twilight Zone music intro. The Macho Man says this isn't the Twilight Zone, but rather the Danger Zone. Aha! Uh-huh. As his head floating around in space. It sounds weird, guys, but it kind of works, at least for the Macho Man. Macho coming for some revenge on the hitman Bret Hart after last Saturday Night's Men event and what took place there. Also, we heard Bobby Heenan proclaiming that Hulkamania is dead here tonight. Long live Bundamania. Bundy, Bundy, Bundy. And, of course, the Hulkster responding there, talking about his 24-gun salute, dude, as hosting this edition of the event, Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura back again. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seattle Coliseum in the Pacific Northwest, the land of tall trees and taller men, for our traditional Thanksgiving weekend special edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Hello, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon, along with one Jesse the Body Ventura, and as always, Mr. Ventura, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Oh, I'm just thrilled to be here with you, McMahon. No kidding. Well, I guess it's the first time for everything. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing I'd rather do than spend my... Thanksgiving weekend with a turkey in a tuxedo. Well, nonetheless, in our main event, World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan squares off against the awesome prowess of one King Kong Bundy. I can feel it already. Bundy mania running wild. There's yet another Bobby the Brain Heaton member here with us, making reference to Hercules Hernandez. It's Hercules tonight squares off against Bam Bam Bigelow. Bye-bye, Bam Bam. And we're just moments away from our opening matchup that will pit the skills of one George the Animal Steel against those of dangerous Danny Davis, a consummate rule breaker. McMahon, I'm getting tired of your biased announcing. When are you going to straighten up? It's just not the same without the body alongside Vince here on Saturday night's main event. For those keeping score, this is indeed the 13th installment of SNME on NBC. Four big matches this go-around with the Hulkster putting the WWF title on the line in the main attraction against King Kong Bundy. But mm, that Savage Hitman match, though, cannot be ignored. But we're going to kick the event off, however, with the animal, George Steele, taking on dangerous Danny Davis. And before the matchup, we go back in time. And I'm talking like six months back in time, as we see Davis blasting the animal with a ring bell. Now, this was actually done in a lumberjack match, on a Saturday night's main event, I believe in May, to aid the Macho Man in stealing a win over Steel and their blow-off of their longtime feud. But, since Savage is now a babyface, the WWF doesn't want to remind anyone of the context of this assault, so they act as if they don't recall the context of Davis using the bell on the animal there, 
And the video footage, very short. All it shows is Davis cracking the animal with a ring bell. And we head off now to Mean Gene Okerlund. He's standing by with George the Animal Steel. Well, George the Animal Steel, you've got to be anxious to even the score tonight with dangerous Danny Davis. Elizabeth! Yes, that is a lovely doll of the lovely Elizabeth. But let's get back to Danny Davis. George, he really hurt you when he hit you with that bell. Hurt! Elizabeth! Yes, Elizabeth was hurt, but she's fine now, George. You've got a match to win tonight against dangerous Danny Davis. Danny! Well, Vince, I don't know if he understands what's happening right now, but I certainly hope he does when he hears the bell tonight. In the Bell! Bell! Hey! Let's get back to you, Vince McMahon. And there you have it, quick and to the point. Sounds like George still worried about Elizabeth, but he also seems to remember the bell. George still coming for a little revenge here on Dangerous Danny. And speaking of Davis, we head off right now with Jesse Ventura standing by with the former referee. Danny Davis, as a journalist, which of course you know I am now, the body wants to state for the record that the president of the World Wrestling Federation, Jack Tunney, should have banned that menace, George the Animal Steel, a long, long time ago. Don't you agree? Yes, Jesse, I do. You know, if Jack Tunney can ban me, a man of my integrity, from refereeing, how can he not ban that hairy ape from the ring? Danny, some people feel you attacked the animal in South Bend. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I say I rang his bell once, and I'll ring it again. <laughs> Danny Davis stating that he simply did to the animal what the president, Jack Tunney, wouldn't do. And hey, he rang George's bell once, he can ring it again. Ha <laughs> ha! Jesse Ventura enjoying that one. And just real quick, guys, noticeably absent here is Jimmy Hart. Also notable, Jesse Ventura conducting this interview. The only one tonight that Jesse conducts. No mean gene here. Makes me feel like Danny didn't originally have one recorded, or at least they needed to change up the original promo. Not really sure what happened here, but very interesting. As we do indeed head off to the ring for our opening matchup, George the Animal Steel taking on Dangerous Danny Davis. So this was a house show feud briefly over the summer, and we finally get a payoff, I suppose. Here to conclude the month of November, again noticeably absent from ringside here, is Jimmy Hart the manager of Danny Davis, or at least he was, and this was taped a couple weeks before the Survivor Series. So you have to question whether there was a plan in place by this point to remove Hart as Davis's at least full-time manager post-pay-per-view. Now, Jimmy will manage Danny sometimes moving forward, but it's just odd he's not here when he's clearly at this event for the next matchup involving the Hitman. As Steele immediately comes at Davis in the corner and the bell sounds, mauling Danny like an, like an animal. We see George with a double-handed elevated choke. As he drops Danny down, Davis rolling out to the floor. Likewise, referee Joey Morella tries to admonish the animal, but he too ran from the ring. Nobody wants to get in the way of George Steele. As Davis finally returns, unloads some shots, but George no-sells and fires back, sending Davis outside for a second time. And from there, the dangerous one going to try several sneak attacks, but Steele continuing to outsmart Danny every time. And that's saying something. And George Steele finally luring Davis back in the ring when the animal turns his back to him, only for Steele to deliver a reverse drop toe hold. Jesse says it's the first wrestling move he's seen Steele do 
in over five years. And that very well could be. But it was a fun little spot. Danny Davis thought he was going to get a back jump on Steele, and Steele busts out a, a reverse drop toehold, taking Davis back down to the mat again. Steele then going to lay chase to Davis outside the ring, around ringside, and then back in where Danny is waiting with a foreign object. Ah, the tables have turned. Steele's old classic move when he was a heel. The hidden foreign object gimmick. Right to the throat here of the animal. Is Davis then going to jab the object into the mouth of Steele, striking him with it before he hides it again in his tights away from the referee? As the match continues on, Danny continues his cheating ways, choking and gouging at the animal's eyes. Vince McMahon pointing out that at this point in the matchup, George Steele has actually done one more wrestling move than even Danny Davis. As it is all cheat, cheat, cheat here from the former referee, Davis going back into his tights once again, grabbing the foreign object, trying to use it yet again. But this time, George counters by hooking Danny's arm, turning it into his finisher, the flying hammerlock. Sends Davis up into the air, but the crafty, dangerous Danny, he sees that referee Joey Morella is near. So while being scooped into the air, Danny intentionally kicking Joey Morella down to the mat trying to prevent himself from a submission loss. However, Davis instead disqualified. George Steele going to get the win, 3 minutes and 48 seconds. And post-match, Danny Davis having it out with the referee, Joey Morella, while the animal snacks on a turnbuckle in the corner. Davis tries another sneak attack on Steele, but gets a face full of buckle stuffing for his troubles. From there, Steele then chasing Davis out of the ring, right up the aisle, all the way to the backstage area. George Steele scoring the win on a DQ and not really sure why this match was on this episode, nor why it kicked off the program for that matter. Steele has done nothing since the Macho Man Savage feud ended way back in May, and Danny Davis has slowly lost most of his heat. Danny just simply not being used in much of anything. Noteworthy. And now it appears he's lost Jimmy Hart, at least to some degree. And then we have basically no match little content to this matchup. And then, of course, it ends in a DQ finish, a schmoz, if you will. Just an odd match for this show, odd placement on the show, odd we couldn't get a definitive win for either man. I guess maybe they just wanted something quick to get the fans going. And I have to think George Steele, he must have been a Dick Ebersol favorite because he appears on half of the Saturday night's main events to this point. And, of course, most of those matches against the macho man Randy Savage. Now, that said, this does indeed also mark the final appearance of George Steele here on Saturday Night's Main Event. And as we prepare for our next contest, we head off now to hear from both sides. But first, it's Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Jimmy Hart and his Hart Foundation. As always, this reporter is sickened by the treachery and the villainy practiced by you men, Bret Hart. Well, practice makes perfect. <laughs> Laugh, if you will, but the Macho Man could very well have the last laugh tonight, Jimmy Hart. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene, baby. The Hart Foundation, baby, we're here to finish exactly what we started. What you started last time? Beating a defenseless woman like the lovely Elizabeth? A defenseless woman? Elizabeth, let me tell you something, baby. She's a daughter of the devil, and she was trying to bewitch my men, and they only did what they had to do. <laughs> All right, like, like hit the macho man over the head with a guitar. Hey, he's just lucky the honky-tonk man doesn't play a piano, right, guys? <laughs> Come on, baby. All right, if there are sicker men of the sport I love, I don't know who they may be. Vince, let's go back to you. And Mean Gene just sickened by the Hart Foundation and the treachery that they practice. Practice makes perfect, Gene. 
The hearts mocking what Honky Tonk Man did to the lovely Elizabeth. And then a great line there, Mean Gene questioning the audacity of Honky Tonk Man smashing the guitar over the head of the macho man Randy Savage, to which Jimmy Hart replies, he's just lucky Honky doesn't play a piano. I wrote LOL, great line there by Jimmy Hart. But that's just one side of the coin, guys. Now we head off once again, this time, Mean Gene standing by with the macho man and the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I've got to ask you right off the bat, because there is an entire country out there that wants to know, have you had any ill effects from the Honky Tonk Man's vicious attack? Well, there's still some pain, but I'm fine. You are. I'm not fine. I'm not fine at all, Mean Gene Opulent. In fact, I've never been hungrier than I am now. Brett the Hitman Hart. We've all seen how his treachery cost you the Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Chill out, Eugene Oakland. Just chill out right now. I'm in the danger zone. And I'm telling you something right now. I've never been more ready than I am now. Yeah. Elizabeth down that aisle. Yeah. Down that aisle. Vengeance is mine. My lovely Elizabeth. And, of course, the macho man, Randy Savage. Vince, he is entering once again the danger zone, but he is entering it like never before. Let's get back to you. And it appears it will be the Hitman, this time taking the trip into the Danger Zone, aha! Vengeance is mine, so saith the Macho Man. Dig it! And as the next match gets set, we see Brian Bosworth, the Boz, in the front row here tonight, along with a few other Seattle Seahawks. And the Boz, a gimmick in himself, at the time the highest paid rookie linebacker in NFL history here in 1987, played for the Seahawks and a controversial flashy character who had a Dan Spivey-esque, a Sting-esque spiked mullet hairdo at the time, so he really stuck out. Quite the character. Sadly, Boz's career cut short after only three years in the NFL due to injury, but he did manage to parlay his over-the-top style into some acting in later years, and for those who don't follow sports or didn't live in this era, Bosworth would have made a perfect asshole heel in professional wrestling. As we head off to the ring now for the next matchup, it is indeed the Macho Man Randy Savage along with Miss Elizabeth taking on the Hitman Bret Hart with Jimmy Hart in his corner. But that's not all. Jim the Anvil Nightheart also sticking around ringside, it would appear. And the story here is that Macho Man looking to exact some revenge on the Hitman who interfered in Macho's IC title match against the Honky Tonk Man in the October Saturday Night's main event. Remember, Savage had landed that patented flying elbow making the cover it looked like he was going to regain the IC title when Bret Hart's interference caused the disqualification, saving Honky from losing the belt and costing Savage the championship. You guys also have to remember, Bret was one of the men responsible for Macho's beatdown after that matchup, where Honky Tonk Man not only shoved Elizabeth down to the mat, but also bashed Savage over the head with that guitar, while the Hart Foundation held on to the Macho Man. And remember, just moments ago in that promo, Vengeance is mine, saith the macho man, as we get this dream match seemingly out of the blue. And we also get an insert promo from the IC champ hockey talk man 
asking the hitman, Bret Hart, to save just a little bit of the Macho Man for Honky. As he's not done playing with the Macho Man just yet, and he's certainly not done playing with Elizabeth. Yikes. May live to regret those words, Honky Talk, as it becomes crystal clear now that the hitman will indeed be cornered by not only Jimmy Hart, but also his partner, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Savage, not one to play around, chases both Hart Foundation around ringside as he catches up to the hitman, sending Bret Hart headfirst into the ring post on the outside. As the action rolls into the ring, Savage maintaining control until he misses a charge in the corner, and then Bret Hart begins to hammer away. Bret, though, going to telegraph a backdrop, eating a running elbow from the Macho Man instead. Hart then out onto the apron, continues to get worked over by Savage, Savage running across the ring and levels Brett, sending him flying off the apron and into the guardrail outside. From there, it's the Anvil and Jimmy Hart both up on the apron to run distraction by the Macho Man, preventing him from capitalizing on the downed Bret Hart on the floor. Savage with a double noggin knocker on the Anvil and Jimmy. And then the Macho Man gonna send the ropes, climbing to the top rope, looking for that flying double axe handle out to the floor on the Hitman. But as Savage leaps... He comes crashing down right into a waiting Bret Hart who blasts Savage in the ribs with the megaphone. As it would seem the Macho Man has taken the bait there, Elizabeth wanting to aid her man, but the anvil rushing over to lay in some cheap shots instead on Savage and tossing him back inside for Bret Hart to take control. As the hitman ties Savage in the tree of woe in the corner, working him over, putting the boots to the Macho Man, then delivering a pile driver. Going to get the Hitman a two-count there on Randy Savage. But finally, Macho able to move from a Hitman charge in the corner. But the timing, a little bad on both sides there. Didn't look so pretty. So Savage makes it more believable as he flings Bret Hart shoulder first back into the steel post one more time. And then it's Macho Man back up top. Flying double axe handle into the ring this time on Bret Hart. Going to get one, two, but the Hitman able to kick out. And Bret back on top with his patented backbreaker but he misses his middle rope elbow drop and it's Macho's turn once more on top as he nails his leverage move, landing his running neck snap across the top rope, Savage leaping over that top rope, snapping Brett's neck down across the top and back inside's Macho Man going to make the cover. One, two, but Hart is still in this thing. A fighting heart from Bret Hart, if you will. It's at this point referee Jack Kruger has to force Randy Savage back, allowing the hitman to recover a little as he's in the ropes. This macho rushes in at Bret Hart. Hart backdrops Savage over the top rope all the way out to the floor. Macho immediately grabbing at his ankle, seemingly unable to stand. We could be in trouble here. As Miss Elizabeth begins to aid Randy Savage in unlacing his boot to check on his injured ankle, as referee Kruger holds the Hart Foundation back, they want to attack here as we head into a commercial break. And then back from break without actual commercials to watch, you can see we've only missed about two seconds of the match. Literally, guys, about two seconds, which is pretty cool. Macho then pulling himself back into the ring, minus one boot. Remember, he took it off before the commercial break. And Bret Hart, he wants a forfeit win here. But Savage insists on continuing the fight. I mean, it's fucking Randy Savage. Of course he does, guys as Bret Hart immediately goes to that injured ankle, stomping on it and driving it into the steel post. Hey baby, I'm Execution Excellence! The hitman trying for a spinning toehold on Randy Savage, but he's kicked off and his shoulder meets the steel for the fourth time in the match. Hitman not having any luck, hitting the steel post three times, 
landing on the guardrail once. Yet somehow the macho man, unable to stand, still trying to make a comeback. On one foot, no less. But Brett able to cut him off and lock in a half-crab. Continuing his dominance on the offense, Savage, though, eventually makes it to the ropes for a break, but Brett is relentless, hammering away on that ankle. Macho, though, going to find himself out on the apron. As Brett reaches out, goes to slam Savage back in the ring, bringing him in over the top rope, but Macho countering the slam into an inside cradle. One, two, three. Yes, he's done it somehow. Miraculously, the Macho Man pulling out the win here. 12 minutes time, Randy Savage countering a big slam into an inside cradle. Maybe he learned something from Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. As Savage going to score the win, but Jim Neidhart immediately tries an attack. But he too gets sent back outside through the ropes and out to the floor by Savage. Brett then going to hold Savage for Jimmy Hart to blast him with the megaphone. But Macho able to move out of the way. And instead, Jimmy nails the hitman. And with both members of the Hart Foundation down, Savage has the megaphone in hand and Jimmy Hart wisely goes running. A gutsy performance, great story here tonight. Macho Man somehow overcoming all the odds. Three on one and an injured ankle, he refused to quit, came out on top, and made Bret Hart look good in the process. Macho, he didn't bury the hitman with that flying elbow for the finish, just a surprise counter into an inside cradle for a fun match, and Savage with a little revenge here on the Jimmy Hart stable, but he's not done yet with the Honky Tonk Man. As we now prepare for our next matchup, WWF title on the line, it's Mean Gene Oakland standing by right now, with Bobby the Brain Heenan and his man, the challenger, King Kong Bundy. Okay, with me at this time is King Kong Bundy. And of course, his manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. You know, gentlemen, I must say this. You must say nothing. You must stand there and shut up. Because I've got a lot to say. How much you people to read my lips? All you humanoids, you have as much brains as this little runt back here has hair on his head. And I want you to listen to this. Standing right here is 460 pounds of pure champion. You understand that? Because tonight, Hulkamania dies, and Bundy Mania is born. <laughs> Just a second, gentlemen. I'm going to take exception to a couple of things. Yes, King Kong Bundy may be the number one contender right now. And, of course, he may have your so-called brain in his corner, Bobby Heenan. But you've got to remember that Hulk Hogan has the support of millions and millions of Hulkamaniacs all over the world. I don't care about those Hulkamorons all over the world. You see, I've got a surprise. Su- surprise? A big surprise. A big surprise? A huge surprise. Kidding me. I thank you very much. Bobby Heenan, King Kong Bundy. I don't know what that surprise is, but I'm certain it will not be good. Vince, let's get back to you. There you have it tonight. Hulkamania dies and Bundy Mania is born. Bobby Heenan says he has a huge surprise in store for the Hulkster. As we head back to the ring... We see Bundy and Heenan entering said ring, and as promised, Bobby Heenan on the microphone announces his huge surprise. In fact, I guess you guys could call it a giant surprise, as Bobby Heenan brings to the ring Andre the Giant. Apparently, the Giant will be in the corner of King Kong Bundy here. And it would appear we're all finding out at the same time, including the WWF champion. As we head back to Mean Gene Oakland one more time, he's standing by with the Hulkster. 
All right, heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, Bobby Heenan, full of surprises. Andre the Giant, Bobby Heenan himself, and King Kong Bundy. It looks to me like it's three against one. No, mean Gene. It's three against the 24-gun salute, man. And notice the blue tins, man. I can I've see got it. a surprise for them. See it. You better believe you can see it. That's the hoses popping out. The new four-lane highways of the secondary survivor system. Just in case all three of those dudes, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, and the Weasel, pow! my heart till it almost stops there's a power pack behind my left ventricle full of love training and vitamins the power pack will kick in the hoses the blue tins will start to flare and then hulkamaniacs the 24 inch gun salute and the secondary survival system will wipe all three of them out <laughs> oh looks like the cards are stacked against them but he is loaded for bear Hulk Hogan ready for King Kong Bundy and the rest of the Heenan family as he heads to the ring. Hulk Hogan not really shocked, or at least not very concerned with the fact that Andre the Giant out there ringside alongside his challenger King Kong Bundy noticed the blue tins with flair, dude. The hoses popping out. Sorry, Hulkster, you ain't got nothing on Don Morocco. Hogan talking about the four-lane highway of vascularity in those 24-inch guns, dude. So the Hulkster pretty much putting himself over there, not really worried here tonight about King Kong Bundy, and that could be a huge mistake, perhaps a giant mistake. We'll have to wait and see as the WWF champion Hulk Hogan taking on King Kong Bundy up next, Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant in the corner there. As Bundy has come a long way the last couple of years here, you got to think about it, from main eventing WrestleMania 2 versus Hulk Hogan behind those big blue bars to working with the Midgets a year later at WrestleMania 3. Bundy then seemingly disappeared over the summer to make, I think he was making the movie Moving, starring Richard Pryor. Bundy was in a piece of that movie. And maybe he was doing some other non-wrestling related things too. I'm not really sure when he filmed that first Married with Children episode that he was in, but it had to be somewhere around this time, I'd have to think. Anywho, Bundy returns late in the summer and has somehow worked his way back into the title picture here on NBC. And as we get rolling here, just like at WrestleMania 3, and just like at the Survivor Series a couple days ago, Jesse Ventura pointing out one more time that the referee for this Hogan match is once again, that no good Joey Morella. But the bell sounds and the two men go nose to nose as Hogan grabs a headlock. There's a change of pace. From there, the Hulkster's shot into the ropes trying for a tackle, but nobody budges. So, Hulk gonna do it for a second time. And this time it's Bundy who knocks down the Hulkster. Take that, brother. Hogan back up on his feet, a little shaken, as he looks for a third tackle. But instead he fakes Bundy out. Hogan changing things up, landing a high knee strike, dropping the challenger. Hogan gonna go for a early cover, one, two, but Bundy out the back door as the Hulkster looking to end this thing quickly here. Maybe wise to do. Trying a big slam on King Kong Bundy. But Hulk's back gives out, and King Kong falls on top to take control. WrestleMania 3 spot there. As we begin to hear loud Hogan chants over the crowd, Andre the Giant seems aggravated with the fans. Bundy, though, working over the back of Hulk, standing on his spine and beating him down on the mat. But Kong misses the big splash, and Hulk begins to fire back, landing his axe bomber clothesline and rapid fire elbow drops. Hey, we saw those at Survivor Series. Hogan then going to make himself another cover here, but Bundy once again kicking out on two. From there, the champion going to try and backdrop Bundy? 
I don't think so. King Kong Ready encounters with a clothesline on the champion instead, and it's chin lock time, which goes on for a couple minutes here before Hogan breaks free, brother, drilling Bundy with the big boot. And this could be over, guys. Hogan looking for the leg drop. But as he hits the ropes, he's tripped up by Andre on the outside and Joey Morella calling for the bell, seemingly disqualifying King Kong Bundy for Andre's interference after only five minutes and 17 seconds. It's at this point King Kong going to try a sneak attack on Hogan, but the Hulkster able to send Bundy out to the floor as Andre removes his jacket, looking to get in the ring and go toe-to-toe with the Hulkster. And it's at this point we hear Howard Finkel on the microphone making an unusual announcement. Even though Morella had called for the bell, the Fink announces that if Andre the Giant doesn't leave ringside, the match will be rewarded to Hulk Hogan. Wait, what? I'm confused. So it does appear the match will continue on if Andre agrees to leave ringside. Otherwise, Bundy will be disqualified. And it takes a little doing by Bobby Heenan and some other officials, but a reluctant and very angry Andre the Giant does finally leave ringside as we head into another commercial break. Back from break this time, we see King Kong Bundy re-entering the ring as the bell once again sounds to officially restart the match. Man, you never know what to expect on a Saturday night's main event, pal. King Kong Bunny going back to work on the champion, but Hulk reversing an Irish whip, delivering a big clothesline in the corner, and another high knee strike by the champion. But the Hulkster eventually missing an elbow drop, and Bundy right back on top as Kong goes back to that injured back of Hulk Hogan, applying a bear hug this time. Hulk finally able to begin to break free, but Bundy sending him into the corner, setting him up and delivering, yes, his finisher, the avalanche splash, connects in the corner on the champion. And then for good measure, Bundy following up with a big splash down on the mat and onto the back of Hulk Hogan, Bundy rolling Hogan over, making the cover. We could see a new champion here. One, two, but Hogan hulks up. How about that? Hulk begins to absorb the blows and returns fire with shots of his own. From there, it's the champion finally body slamming King Kong Bundy down to the mat. As Bundy goes rolling outside to the floor, Hulk going to try to pull King Kong back in, but instead it's Kong pulling the champion to the outside. And Hogan still feeling the full effects of that Hulk up, no selling Bundy on the floor, drilling him with hard right hands, rolling the challenger back inside at six. But as Hogan tries to re-enter the ring himself, he's grabbed by his ankle by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Heenan hiding on his knees, but grabbing the Hulkster by his foot, holding him by his ankle and Hulk up on the apron, but he can't get back inside the ring. Hogan finally kicks himself free of the brain, but it's too late. Hulk Hogan is counted out. Didn't we just see this a couple days ago? Eh, Never mind. King Kong Bundy has defeated the WWF champion by count out. And the second half of the match will go 4 minutes and 52 seconds. Total time of the match, 10 minutes and 9 seconds. As the Hulkster going to re-enter the ring, raising his hand in victory. Delusional as always, apparently Hogan thinks he's won by disqualification after that Bobby Heenan interference. Only in your world, Hulk. When the champion is alerted instead that he was counted out, all thanks to the brain. Deeming King Kong Bundy the winner. Now, of course, it was by count-out, which means Hogan will retain the title, but 
per the usual when he loses a matchup, that sore loser Hulk Hogan blasting Bundy from the ring and then yanking Bobby Heenan inside, scooping Bobby up multiple times in an elevated chokehold, not once, not twice, but three times, and then tossing him down to the ground. How dare you, Hulkster? Bobby finally rolling out to safety into the arms of King Kong Bundy as Real American begins to play. Bundy going to aid his manager back to the dressing room as Hogan celebrates his loss. Hey, Hogan must pose, pal. So there you have it, guys. King Kong Bundy the victor. Didn't see that coming. Two big shows in a row. Hogan countered out the Survivor Series. Hogan countered out here again at Saturday night's main event. Bundy has an argument for a rematch, which we'll talk a little more about before this edition concludes. But first, we've got one more match to be had here this week involving Hercules, another member of the Heenan family, taking on Bam Bam Bigelow. And right now we go back to Mean Gene, once again, standing by with Hercules. All right, standing by the mighty Hercules, who's going to be meeting Bam Bam Bigelow. Tonight, you're going to have to go it alone without Bobby the Brain Heenan, your manager. He has been injured. The extent or severity of those injuries at this point in time are unknown. But needless to say, you've got a big battle ahead of you. Oh, yeah. You know, Gene Oakland, it's the same old story. If Bobby Heenan, if the King, if Andre the Giant, if Hercules does something wrong, you know, everybody calls us henchmen. Everybody says we're thugs. Everybody calls us assassins. Like we're doing something really, really wrong. But how about when Hulk Hogan does something? Everybody thinks it's all right. He's an angel. Okay, let's move on to the subject of Bam Bam Bigelow, your target tonight. Bam Bam Bigelow, I'll tell you what. Tonight when I put that full Nelson on you, I'm going to squeeze you so hard, your head's going to turn red and your eyes are going to bug out, just like the manager is. All right, stand by. It's going to be Hercules and Bam Bam Bigelow as this man heads to the ring without the services of manager Bobby Heenan. And there it is, Herc calling it as he sees it. When a member of the Heenan family does something wrong, they're henchmen, assassins. But when Hogan does something wrong, he's an angel. As we learn, Hercules going to be heading into this one with no manager, sans Bobby Heenan, who was just injured at the hands of the WWF champion. But Hercules, he sounds ready for Bam Bam Bigelow tonight. And speaking of the Bammer, we head backstage yet again. Mean Gene standing by this time with Bam Bam Bigelow and his manager, Oliver Humperdinck. Bam Bam Bigelow, welcome to Saturday night's main event. Dom said he was going to take me to the big time. Yes, and Hercules says he has other plans for you tonight. He says he's going to squeeze you so hard, you're going to sprout red hair like Oliver. When I get done with that jump, he's only going to have one link in his chain. You know, Oliver Humperdinck, it's quite apparent to me that Bobby Heenan is still bitter about your signing, Pam Pam. Does that concern you? You know what I mean, Gene? If he was half the manager he says he is, He'd be here right now with Bam Bam and I wouldn't, wouldn't he? Good point. Yeah. I thank you very much, on, gentlemen. Oliver Humperdinck, Bam Bam, Bigelow, Vince, let's go back to you. Quick promo there. Bam Bam has made it to the big time now, and he has his sights set on Hercules tonight. Short, quick, to the point. As we head to the ring, it's Bam Bam, Bigelow with Oliver Humperdinck taking on Hercules minus Bobby the Brain. As original local advertising for this event did indeed promote Hercules versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. We even heard Heenan reference Duggan as part of this match as late as this weekend's wrestling challenge. But they pivot to Bam Bam instead for some unknown reason, perhaps just trying to continue the build for Bigelow into a major slot on the roster. And as the bell sounds, Hercules going to flex for Bam Bam 
who doesn't appear to be very impressed. The two men, they have a little feeling out before Hercules lays in a sucker knee to the gut and sends the bammer hard into the corner. But as Hercules charges in, misses a back elbow and Bigelow going to come battling back. But Hercules catches him square in the jaw with a nice back elbow that connects this time and two big clotheslines send Bigelow over the top rope and out to the floor. And as Bigelow tries to climb back up on the apron, Hercules going to work him over right there on the apron, but Bigelow going to counter, snap marrying Hercules over the top rope and to the outside. You don't see that every day, especially between two big men. Bam Bam Bigelow snap marrying Hercules over the top rope from the apron, sending him out to the floor. As the two men continue to trade shots on the outside, with Bigelow eventually slamming Hercules down on the floor. But the bell sounds, as it appears referee Jack Kruger has counted both men out. Boo! Not two matches in a row. This one only goes three minutes and four seconds? No, wait. After the Fink makes the announcement of a quote-unquote draw here, Bigelow snatches the microphone from Howard Finkel says he didn't come all the way to Seattle for no stinking draw. He wants this match restarted. Bam Bam asking Hercules to get back in the ring. If he has the guts, let's settle this thing with a winner and a loser. And it does indeed appear that Hercules is in agreement. It looks like this match is going to be restarted as we head into a commercial break. And then back from break, and yes, the match indeed will restart. Both men down in football stances as they rush at one another, colliding center ring. Boom! And neither man moves an inch. Hercules, though, looking to charge again, but instead he tries to fake the bammer out. As Bigelow rushes, Hercules drops down. But Bigelow not going to be made a fool. Bigelow schools the mighty Herc instead by cartwheeling over the drop down and then tackling Herc from the other side. And down goes Hercules. From there, Bigelow, though, misses a dropkick, and Hercules finally going to take control, keeping Bam Bam down on the mat. And then the mighty one, Hercules, ascending the top rope. Climbing to the top, we don't see him up there too often, but surprisingly, it's Herc launching off with a flying crossbody block. Wow, Hercules off the top of the crossbody, but Bigelow going to catch the mighty one with ease. He doesn't even stagger here. The 200 and... God, got to be close to 80-pound Hercules. Bigelow catching him like a baby. And then pressing Herc high into the air for a gorilla press slam. Putting Hercules down into position. Bammer going out to the apron for his slingshot splash, which does connect. Bigelow going to score the win. Two minutes and 39 seconds. Now, technically, these were two separate matches, but the total time here, somewhere around five minutes and 43 seconds. And Bigelow goes over. In impressive fashion, and definitively, I should add. And I noted here, it was very weird having two matches on the same show end and then be restarted, and then back-to-back, no less. Hogan and Bundy restarted, and then Bigelow and Hercules restarted as well. Weird booking there. But Bigelow put over strong here. You can't be put over much stronger than nearly squashing the mighty Hercules Welcome to National Broadcast TV, Bam Bam Bigelow. And as we begin to wrap up Saturday night's main event here, I touched on it a little bit after their title matchup, Bundy scoring that count-out victory over Hogan. I thought, perhaps Bundy in line for a rematch after that victory? Well, King Kong tends to agree. Here we go right now, standing by with Mean Gene Okerlund, it's King Kong Bundy, 
and Andre the Giant. All right, with me in the locker room at this time is King Kong Bundy and Andre the Giant. Quite conspicuous by his absence is their manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Earlier on, he sustained an injury, a neck injury, perhaps a serious neck injury. That notwithstanding, tonight, King Kong Bundy, you hold a victory over heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. That's right, the greatest night of my life. Don't worry about Bobby the Brain. He'll be back. No Hulk Hogan, a victory over Hulk Hogan, but I'm still not the heavyweight champion of the world. And that's what I want to be. That's where I'm going to the World Wrestling Federation, and I'm demanding, that's right, demanding a rematch. Only this time, I want this man right here, Andre the Giant, in my corner. And I promise all the Bundaholics out there, all the millions and millions of them, with this man in my corner, next time, I won't just beat Hogan. Next time, I will be the heavyweight champion of the world. Right, Andre? All right, you, all right, you heard it. Yeah, 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 you know, know, let me say this right now. I don't come into dressing rooms often, but I want right, to shake your hand, King Kong Bundy. You saw it. You won it. As far as I'm concerned, you are the champion of the world. And there's no doubt in my mind, with this man, in his corner, you're looking mean, Gene, at the heavyweight champion of the world. All right, I Big victory. Thank you, Andre the Giant. Keep going, buddy. And of course, you, Jesse the Bunny. Stay tuned. There's more. Saturday night, we'll after this. So, Bobby Heenan, MIA, after yet another neck injury. First, Ken Patera, now Hulk Hogan. However, we can't forget that King Kong Bundy just scored a victory over the WWF champion the Hulkster, and Bundy demanding a rematch with Andre the Giant in his corner. Says he's going to do it for all the Bundy-holics out there. Kong vowing to become the next WWF champion. As Jesse Ventura joins them in the locker room, wanting to shake hands and congratulate Bundy, stating that he thinks we're looking at the next WWF champion. And for those who know what's coming long-term, obviously the real story here, continuing the Hulk and Andre storyline, with Bundy playing a nice piece in the puzzle for now. But a rematch is indeed set. We'll see that on the next edition of Saturday Night's Main Event in January of 1988. Looking forward to that. As we head backstage one final time, Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the still WWF champion Hulk Hogan. We're going to hear his thoughts on the rematch. All right, with me at this time, still a heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Hulk, I'd like to get your comments on King Kong Bundy's victory and his challenge for a rematch with you. Well, you know, Meiji, I can't deny that King Kong Bundy got his hand raised in victory, but it was a shallow victory, man. To win the world title, you got to pin me for a three count or make me submit. Sign the rematch. I want it more than King Kong Bundy does. I got to prove a point. But as far as that big, nasty giant being in his corner, I hope Andre the Giant is in King Kong Bundy's corner if we have a rematch, because I'll give him the same dose of Hulkamania that Bobby the Weasel Heenan got. And in my corner, me, Gene. Who in your corner, Hulk? It will be you, the Hulkamaniac. All right, heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, really responding to the demands of King Kong Bundy. Don't go away. More Saturday night's main event coming up after this. Well, the Hulkster may be delusional, but at least he has his short-term memory. Hogan can't deny that King Kong Bundy got his hand raised in victory here tonight, but it was a shallow victory, dude. To win the belt, it's got to be by pinfall or submission, brother. Now, as for Andre being in Bundy's corner, Andre the Giant will get the same thing that Bobby Heenan got tonight. And hey, Bundy, you may have Andre in your corner, but Hogan, 
he has all of his Hulkamaniacs. So, what you gonna do? So, a rematch does indeed seem imminent. We know it's coming in the next couple of months. As we close out the show, we go backstage one final time. It's Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura standing with Mean Gene Oakland. Vince McMahon asking Gene for an update on Bobby the Brain Heenan. But there isn't one. As Mean Gene says, really, who cares? All right, Mean Gene Oakland, any last-minute information on the neck injury of Bobby the Brain Heenan? No, but really, who cares? Ventura taking exception to that. I care, Gene. And that's going to wrap it up here this week. Vince McMahon signing off the air here on Saturday night's main event as Phil Collins takes us home with Take Me Home. It's going to wrap up another edition of Saturday night's main event. Continuing angles coming out of here. Hulk and Andre, Savage and Honky Tonk Man. I know we got Savage and the Hitman here tonight, but another member, another stable mate of Jimmy Hart's crew. And of course, Bret Hart playing a pivotal part in screwing Savage out of that IC title the last time we were here on SNME when Savage took on the Honky Tonk Man for that IC strap. They make sure that Bam Bam Bigelow continues to impress, coming out a definitive winner here tonight, and I have no idea what that Danny Davis-George Steele match was about. But it was quick and fun. Now, as we wrap up this edition of The Grenade, let's really quickly, let's talk ratings for this November 28th Saturday Night's Main Event back in 1987. Reportedly drew a 11.3 rating in a 30 share. At least that's what Dave Meltzer had heard at the time, though not official. But if true, it would make this SNME the second highest rating that the show has ever gotten. And the third highest rating for that time slot in TV history at that point. That's where wrestling was. That's where the WWF was at this point, guys, back in 1987. A 30 share means 30% of homes that had their TV on were watching Saturday Night's Main Event. One out of every three households that were watching TV during this time period on Saturday night were watching this program. And I can attest to that because there were tons of people who didn't claim to be wrestling fans that still kind of knew that Hulk, Andre, even the Mega Power storyline. So maybe they didn't watch the day-to-day, the week-to-week TV, but it appears they would watch these Saturday night main event specials. And that 11% share, that means one out of every 10 households that owned a TV was watching Saturday night's main event. Think about that for a minute. But that'll wrap it up here this week on The Grenade. And with that, it'll also wrap up the month of November here in 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation, which means we're off to December. One month to go in the 1987 project. And I'll be back soon as we talk the fallout from the Survivor Series heading into the new year of 1988. All of the December 87 WWF news and results. A deep look into house shows from the Spectrum, Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden, and so much more. Next time here, you guys are going to want to be a part of it. And just a quick reminder, guys, head on over to WrestleCopia.com or any of your favorite podcast streaming apps for all the shows on the WrestleCopia brand. Follow me on Twitter at WrestlingGrenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Follow and like me, Facebook.com slash WrestlingGrenade. Subscribe, YouTube.com slash WrestlingGrenade. And of course, I ask you guys, give me a try, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Looking at that $5 all-access tier gets you all sorts of gifts for just $5. And once again, I do apologize for my voice. Fighting walking pneumonia, guys, is never fun, but I wanted to get a show out anyway. Do it for the listeners. 
do it for my patrons. Hey, that deserves five bucks, right? But until next time, this is Ray Russell saying from Pillar to Post and Coast to Coast. You pull the pin, and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! All right, me and Gene Oakland, any last-minute information on the neck injury of Bobby the Brain Heenan? No, but really, who cares? <laughs>